everybody. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. My co-host, Biscuit Reynolds, has declined to appear in this episode. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Jess Baker. Um, she's, I would call her a thought leader in the body liberation movement, but I also think that uh, Jess is continuously evolving, right? Like, Jess is an experience, a moment, um, and also just a font of wisdom. It's so smart. I'm really, I just like love listening to Jess talk because Jess is smart about things. Jess has two books and I would love to encourage you if you love this episode to just dive into um, their experience of life. Um, the first book is Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls. Uh, and the first moment, I talk about this in the episode with Jess, but the first moment um, I think our friendship was formed was when Jess emailed me. Uh, we were both blogging at the time in like the fat liberation space, um, which is of course, these are these are all evolving things too. Like what is body liberation? What is fat liberation is different now than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, but I just remember Jess like sending me an email asking if uh, they could quote me for their book, uh, things no one could tell, things, uh, anyway. <laughs> Thanks. No one will tell fat girls. Um, and then the second follow-up book is called Land Whale. Um, uh, so the first is much more like, why does fat stigma exist? Like that kind of goes into that, like, what is this and why are we in it? Um, and then the second book, Land Whale, is uh, much more of a memoir and uh, personal essays. And I just am so grateful to Jess for all the work that they did for that second book specifically, just to be able to go in and excavate memoir work is a lot of self-reflection and it is really intense and very few people are actually willing to look at themselves and examine their experiences and go in and teach from them that's actually like one of the things that i think is unique uh for a lot of uh writers and teachers out there so the memoir experience changed my life like i actually wrote a memoir <laughs> i never published it <laughs> But what it did, the process of writing it um, actually really helped me uh, decide to walk away from alcohol because I realized uh, upon reflection, I had had a really good run with it. Um, and anyway, all that to say, both of those books are very much worth your time. And also so is Jess's Patreon page. Uh, Patreon is a membership support site, which helps folks uh, like you to connect to creators like me and Jess, uh, who create work that you value in the world. Um, Jess's Patreon, I'm really excited about. Um, I helped uh, a little bit with the launch and the design of the Discord. And um, I'm just like so excited about it. I love it a lot. Um, Jess is has been taking a lot of intentional time, and we'll talk about this in the podcast about like kind of going in and figuring out like um, where does their work need to go in the world. And um, the Patreon is a really I love Patreon as just like a container to support the continued evolution of the people you like, right? Like my Patreon has changed over time, and so has Jess's, um, but. The offer, the just even Jess's videos alone on there about joy, about pleasure, rest, and ease, and um, about somatic experiencing and like how we experience trauma in our bodies um, and how joy is so necessary in the experience of life, um, and all of that, just brilliant. Um, so highly recommend Jess's Patreon page, which is linked in the show notes below. My podcast is brought to you 
by my Patreon page. I could not be creating this podcast without the support of my Patreon. Uh, besties, thank you so much to my Patreon babes for supporting this work. Uh, my Patreon membership starts at seven bucks a month and it includes all of my Zoom aerobics class. I teach a class called Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics for anyone who feels left out of mainstream fitness. Um, it is a kind of a mashup of sing-alongs, line dancing, um, dance aerobics, very dance aerobics, and therapeutic stretching that's intentional and it's meant to help you uh, find your true self inside, but also movement because movement is good nourishment for our bodies. Um, uh, Jess talks about this um, in the episode, but mammals have a natural response to trauma to just shake it off and to like release uh, that big energy. Um, and one of the movements we do in almost every class is a therapeutic um, shaking technique from Qigong, uh, which is a 5,000 year old technique um, to uh, transmute the energy in your body. So um, everything I learn about bodies and movement and emotional growth and maturity and all of those things um, goes into my class. So all of my Zoom classes are included with that. Um, at any level of membership. It also includes a Discord server, which is our members only locker room. It's a digital locker room for folks from all over the world who dance together, which is really fun. And I also have a level of on-demand uh, videos where I produce workout videos. Uh, there's always a 10 minute uh, two 20-minute videos, a canna-sized class, which is slower, more repetitive uh, choreography for use with an optional cannabis experience, because I love healing with plant medicine, um, two 55-minute classes, and then a whole chair aerobics membership. So there's six chair aerobics uh, classes available. Um, in addition to that, I have self-care parties, which are like puff and paint classes, art therapy classes, and other things that I'm curating um, and collaborating with other folks um, to create experiences. So there's, and the plus additional <laughs> um, classes from other body positive aerobics instructors I love. Um, all of that is 25 bucks a month, which is less than the cost of one soul cycle class. And because of that membership, I'm able to prioritize uh, Fat Kid Dance Party as my job. It's like my primary source of income. So I'm really, really grateful for everyone who believes in me and supports uh, my ongoing evolution and work in the world. And I just love Patreon.com as a safe and secure site and a place uh, where I think the revolution is really being born. I think resourcing activists, entrepreneurs, artists, and the people who make work that matter to you in the world is changing the world. It's so much different than spending seven bucks at Target, um, some big corporation where like some CEO is making a lot of money and like the folks who really do the work aren't, you know? Um, anyway, being intentional about energy and currency is super important to me. And you'll hear that throughout my whole podcast. But for now, I'm super excited for you to snuggle in. Imagine that you're on a virtual porch with me and Jess, uh, cuddling with your favorite childhood blanket and on with the show. Jess Baker, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bevan. Oh, so I'm so fucking glad to be here. Really. I'm so I'm so fucking glad you're here. You are one of my favorite former Mormons. And <laughs> an overt uh intention I have with this podcast is to be a helpful off-ramp for people who are healing from fundamentalism, fat stigma, and other forms of rigid binary thinking in the matrix. And yep. you have ramped from from mormonism quite elegantly i would say um and i mean elegantly but also like with all the pain and um bumbling that happens with like transforming your life from being brainwashed as a child um okay so the first thing i want to tell everyone about you leo sun 
Virgo moon, Scorpio rising. You are all three of those things in such a beautiful way. Um, and also you are deep into working with somatics. I, I want to call you a somatic experiencing coach. Yeah, I will just, uh, we'll just say like a somatic practitioner, somatic practitioner. Great. Leaves it a little open. Yeah. Great. Tell me about somatics, what it means and what you do. Okay. Are you, are you fucking ready? Cause this is a, this is a ride. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Buckle the fuck up. Um, okay. We're going to start with like the really basic boring definition. Cause I feel like maybe we need that. So just so everybody knows somatics, if you've heard that before, some people are starting to talk about it. Um, a lot of times people are like nervous system, this and nervous system that like that's starting to become like part of the conversation ish. Uh, but we don't really know what somatics means. Maybe uh, when we get into embodiment, like what the fuck does that actually mean? And what I can tell you that I understand. So all of this is going to be from my understanding, like take what you need, leave the rest because reality is subjective. Um, somatics, the word comes from the Greek root soma, which just means body. So like when we, people say somatics, it's this very vague kind of meaningless term that's just like, the body like we're working with the body the reason it's important though is because in western uh colonized society both here in like the u.s but also if you kind of go back to like where my roots come from in like ireland and scotland and also western europe we are obsessed with the brain like we have kind of like if we kind of listen to Western psychology, there's this like emphasis on like the brain is it. And it's like the only thing. Right. And so we're very like head oriented and brain is awesome. Brain is important. And, um, the body is where I love to live. And it, it like just dawned on me. Um, for those who don't know anything about me, I spent the last, like, I spent like eight-ish years working under like the militant baker. And my focus was like very connected to my own journey. And it was kind of like dismantling uh, and deconstructing the, the bullshit around the body in an external way. Like what society talks about, diet culture, fuck that. Ideal body, fuck that. Ableism, fuck that. All that stuff. Um, kind of focusing on, um, I, I fat liberation felt important because I live in a fat body and that was very needed for me uh, I think it resonated with a lot of people and you know we're talking about the matrix that was a glitch that I found um the first glitch was warm in Mormonism so like my awakening started then and I started to see the glitches in the matrix but definitely this like structural concept around the body what it means what it should be the homogenization is all bullshit so I worked around that for quite a long time and it was really helpful and it was I think critical uh first step into exploring more then after all of that I kind of was like okay I exhausted the resources here and like listened to all the podcasts read all the books wrote a couple books like be I've been in the community and, and I found this with, you know, pretty much all the people I work with as well with it one-on-one and group, there's this moment where we've like digested intellectually this deconstruction and we're like, okay, I know intellectually I understand it's bullshit. 
And I still don't feel connected to my body. I don't know how to like interact with it. It just doesn't, it's like, didn't get me where I want to go. So then I kind of accidentally ended up in this, like, what's next? And I think through some cosmic force, I just followed the yeses into studying training in somatics. And it it just clicked for me like a week ago. I was like, oh, I think one of my big purposes here is to work with the fucking body. Like, we're just noticing these trends of like, first it was external body, now it's internal body. And so what I will say about somatics is it's, for me, it's what comes after the intellectual deconstruction. When we do all of that work, which a lot of us have done, and we're at that point, probably people who are listening have like done that work, right? The thing that we're kind of left with that feels like it doesn't sit right is we're still kind of uh, interacting with the body as an object. It's this very like other thing. Like it's a thing we look at in the mirror we're really worried about what it looks like and it's not a deep intimate relationship it's this other it's an object and like how much can we really love an object like we can love a vase but it's not the same as like loving loving so somatics if we were to like um i work with a mentor named marika heinrichs um highly recommend and she puts it very simply which is like Somatics is, I'm just going to read it, uh, engaging in an intentional practice of noticing, that's important, uh, exploring and expressing the internal state of our body. And the reason this is really radical is because um, systems of oppression rely on our disconnection from our body. Because the more we learn and understand, and also we don't need to understand, we can just know and feel the more we tap into the wisdom and the intelligence of our body, we have, it almost feels like infinite access to more wisdom and understanding and a larger human experience. And so when we're cut off from that, and it's incredibly empowering and um, somatics in this Western colonial world has been stripped of spirituality, I think deliberately. Um, And so institutions like the somatic experiencing institute that I'm learning from is a very, it's an institute, it's an institution. And so it's kind of whitewashed and clinically organized and it doesn't have that spiritual aspect. So I'm also working with a ton of other mentors and trainers and teachers to integrate the political aspects of somatics, the community healing the collective nervous system, right? This uh, heart connection because our heart has neurons too and our gut has neurons too and hearts sync, whether we know it or not, like with each other and our nervous systems sync. And so it just feels very um, important as we're working towards new ways of being, uh, collective healing, knowing ourselves and uh, really dismantling all of the bullshit that needs to die and uh, compost. It also for me um, is the conduit and the way the body itself is um, the energetic connection within the cells and the organism is what connects me to the larger, whatever you want to call it, source, power, um, cosmic intelligence, God, like whatever that is for you. Um, 
that comes to me through my body and it's that resonance and knowing that isn't logical or intellectual like maybe I process my experiences that way but really bringing in the body into the conversation which is really hard because we I'm you can just cut me off at any time be like shut the fuck up we get it uh but because we've been so disconnected it can feel it's very complicated to like start to work with the body and I remember I've always been very fortunate I've been like I don't know we're at like almost 20 years of therapy at this point I've always <laughs> had a a somatic therapist right <laughs> I've been really lucky so that's always been like a part and I remember in my 20s being like uh sitting there and she asked me she's like hey how do your shoulders feel and I was like I can't feel my shoulders I don't know what you're talking about like I really don't understand this um because I was so shut down and it's really interesting to think about that and then kind of see where I am today and know that there's so much more coming so I guess I just kind of want to speak to how difficult it is. Um, we also know, thanks to books like um, The Body Keeps the Score, My Grandmother's Hands, lots and lots of books, we know that our bodies store not just our own history and experiences, but experiences and history of those who come before us. So I'm playing around with a lot of very interesting, like spiritual cosmology and like understanding of like kind of what's happening. But I do feel like there's something and I might change my mind at some point and that's fine but I do feel like there's some sort of um I'm going to just use the word cosmic or universal need for those of us right now in this time and place where we're starting to begin to have access again to the body because the truth is that pre-colonialization pre-christianity our ancestors and we do have ancestors those of us who just are racialized as white it's really important to remember that we had clans we had tribes we had indigenous people that we come from and they didn't separate the brain and the body and they lived in this energetic uh balance and like synergistic relationship with everything around us we're kind of going back to that so i just want to like mention like this isn't new we're just kind of rediscovering it so those of us who are here now i feel like we have this really cool opportunity to start to work through the wounds both that we have collected in this lifetime and also from those who have existed before us that have passed down their experiences, their DNA. And I've heard people call it curse breaking. Uh, we could also call it just like trauma healing or like mending wounds, but we have a lot of opportunity. And I don't personally think it will be done in our lifetime. I think it's something that's gonna continue for a really long time, but the somatics when attached to spirituality, when integrating the brain, when looking for that wisdom offers us a way to transmute those blocks. Um, when we remove some of those blocks and we have space, we're then able to connect to source and that just continues to kind of evolve and layer and help all of us. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. I mean, that wasn't, <laughs> soapbox. that was like a lot of really incredible information and also, Okay, so my I have so many questions, a million questions. It's my favorite part of podcasting. Okay, my first question for you is if a client came to you and said, I can't feel my shoulders, what does that mean? How would you talk them through connecting to that part of their body and starting to feel that part of mm. it? Yeah, so um, I'm going to name drop a lot of names and um, I can send them to you so that we can like, I want to honor where a lot of my information comes from because 
it does not come from me. <clears throat> Somebody I really look to for this kind of work is Prentice Hemphill. They're doing incredible work in somatics. Um, and they often talk about the concept of being with what is. And that sounds very simple, but it's extraordinarily profound. And within somatics, there is this gentleness, right? We're so used to this rigidity, this forcing, this um, concept of the bootstrap shit, right? And like uh, willpower and like determination. <laughs> Fuck that. It hasn't worked. It's never worked. We don't need that anymore. So somatics takes this very gentle approach in being like the the way I would first come into this is like, okay, cool. What does it feel like to not feel your shoulders? What comes up for you? And I might give them like a menu, you know, because like when we're learning this new new old language, like is there any sensation that comes up internally, interoception? Um, that's the hardest for most people to access. Um, there's actually, so here, I'll share this. They're, within somatic experiencing, they kind of give us these five core ways of processing experience. And um, there, we usually have one or two that we're like, we've been using our whole lives, you know, they're very familiar. Uh, we don't want to turn those off. We want to actually use them and continue to use them because they're very helpful. And also the invitation is like, and can we also bring in these other ways that maybe help us experience the human experience even more? So if somebody is very uh, intellectual and thought and meaning-based, I am, um, you know, we might just follow that. Like what thoughts come up as you are noticing that you can't feel your shoulders? And there's zero judgment and 100% curiosity. We're kind of letting it be. Um, and my offer, like, oh, okay, as, you know, maybe they're like, oh, well, I feel kind of ashamed. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, shame's coming in. Okay. Um, where does shame live in your body? Does it live anywhere? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Or is there an image that comes up? Imagery is another one. Or um, is there a temperature? Is there a color? And we're like letting go of like, predetermined logic, right? This is not linear. This doesn't need to make sense. There's a lot of power in not knowing why. As someone who loves to know why, that was like mind-blowing for me of like not knowing why is actually incredibly powerful because then we give the lived knowledge and feeling the credibility really deserves. And, and then we just flow. We just flow with whatever comes until they're like, you know, at, at some point they might want to pop out, right? And be like, this is too much and we honor that we're like cool yeah let's pop out what are you doing tomorrow like we just go with it and eventually you know it's building it's building a vocabulary it's building comfort one of the things that they talk about that i really love is you know when we talk about like activation which is like when we go into survival mode right we're in fight flight or freeze in the very beginning it's, it feels so important to mention this. We're not trying to stop those things from happening. We're not trying to cut anything off. And I do love this as like a general life thing of like not removing, but adding to, right? Um, especially when it comes to like food and bodies as well. Like that's a theme. And so one of the things that I'm kind of helping folks with is becoming comfortable with the discomfort. 
So we're not trying to get rid of the discomfort. Like there's so much wisdom in the survival modes. Like our body is taking care of us, it's keeping us safe, it's looking out for us. And so we're kind of just like normalizing what actually happens and being like, and that's okay. Like it's hard, it's scary. Um, the world is dangerous, like that's real. Uh, so kind of normalizing the activation that comes up so that we can then kind of give our body permission to experience other things as well. I think there's something really powerful too, like in the allowance, right? But then also recognizing and like doing the brain work of releasing the threat. Like I walk through the world now and I do not experience fat stigma because I do not perceive it. And right. like, right, you know what I mean? Like if someone gives me a weird look or if somebody like interacts with me in a weird way, later I might reflect and be like, oh, they thought like I was, cause like I asked someone randomly like, hey, what are your favorite local places to hike? And like, he looked at me so weird and I didn't understand at the time why he was looking at me weird, but it was because he was like, you're fat. Why are you hiking? Right? Like that, I, re I realized later I was like, oh, that's why he was being weird about it. But like, whatever, I don't care. Right. But mm -hmm. like, I think, but I used to walk in the world hundred percent of the time in fight, flight or freeze mode, like, or a mm -hmm. mode, right. Like, cause I just, my nervous system never felt safe. I didn't know what it was like to feel relaxed until I was 34 years old. Like, and yeah. like, it's just wild at how normalized that is. And it's not normal. Yeah. Like, right. Or it is normal in our matrix, but like, it's not actually the way we're intended to feel. And the more you do the work to, I think, neutralize the threats and neutralize your own thought threats, like in your body. Cause I think I was keeping myself in fight, flight or freeze appease because I wanted to control everything. Right. And like, I was so afraid of like what would happen. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it's, Okay. So not even needing to know why. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also that blew my mind. I'm like, you're mm -hmm. right. You don't need to know why. Um, and that's pretty, that itself is pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of want to like just offer like my own spin, which is like not right or wrong. It just is. Um, you know, I I've gone through like the majority of my life needing to know why, and that's very soothing for my nervous system it helps me organize something that feels disorganized. So if that's where folks are at, like also normalizing that and being like, that's cool, that helps us get through. And, you know, there might be a point in time where it's possible to fathom, what if I didn't know why and what if that was okay? Um, that's opened a up a lot of doors for me as someone who really uh, still, I still feel called to the binary, the all or nothing, good, bad, like, uh, so it's been a very slow experiment at first, like, what if I didn't know why? And then like, when I don't know why being like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it's been very slow. Um, the thing I just also want to just like note um, about the threat and fatness. I think fatness is a great thing to, to use here. It's, it's really interesting. Um, there's a couple components here of, um, you know, kind of talking about normalizing the activation and like the the feeling of threat um i have a teacher joshua sylvie and he said this and i loved it he was like we're in a ten thousand year love affair with control and that's civilization like civilization's ten thousand years old that's like nothing in the history of everything right and that affects us so much and that kind of is what keeps us in these survival modes because this control is constantly dangerous and threatening um 
just to backtrack a little bit, somatic experiencing that particular lens is named as a naturalistic approach because the person who founded it, Peter Levine, uh, stole a lot of shit from a lot of people non-consensually. So like somatic practitioners are having to reckon with that reality. I just want to name that. Um, but what he was kind of looking at is animals in the wild. An antelope in the wild is consistently being chased by a lion, right? Uh, so why the fuck does this antelope not collect trauma? <laughs> what is going on? This is not the same for humans and it's not the same for domesticated animals. But in the wild, he was just like fascinated by this. And what he realized, and the neurobiology backs, you know, all of the somatic experiencing stuff up if you're like really into science. Uh, but what he kind of put together was because they are not in this illusion of control that is our civilization, they have the opportunity to complete survival responses, which is probably running for your life. If you escape, amazing. And then they do this enormous shake and it's the dispersing of traumatic energy potentially, right? They release that and it looks wild. It's like convulsing. So if you've ever had like, I don't, for me, whenever I have like really intense sex, like afterwards, I just like convulse and like, that's a discharge of energy that was stored. It's fascinating. So animals just do this. It's like not weird. And they're like, cool. So they just like convulse a ton and then they kind of get back up and they're like rebalanced in our fucking society if we were just all convulsing or actually feeling things like that doesn't serve the people in power that is not appropriate or polite and so we then have this stuff stored in us and it's very valid and what I kind of want to also speak to is the reality that our society is dangerous for, I'm going to say all people, of course, many groups experience that way more, of course. So when we're feeling that survival response, that fight, flight, um, freeze, there's usually a good reason. We've learned it either from those who've come before us or our experiences in this life. And I think for me, a lot of the healing work is identifying what actually is a threat versus what isn't, but it feels like it is because our, our wiring, our nervous system is pretty much the same. We have like a little bit of like polyvagal difference, but vagus nerve difference, but it's virtually the same as like any mammal. Like we're working with like this very kind of like effective, but not very nuanced hardwiring. <laughs> So when somebody gives us a weird look because we're fat, it's a death threat. That's all it goes to is survival. And it's the same as being chased by a lion. So like also let's normalize how intense and like draining that is to constantly be like being chased by a lion, even though there isn't one and everything feels like a death threat. And some of them are real threats. Like this world is dangerous. So what I love hearing about your shifting is kind of this assessment of like, am I okay when people look at me this way? And I think a lot of 
safety comes down to belonging as mammals evolutionarily. We need others to survive. So this is a big thing that I'm trying to work now into my how to speak about it. But belonging is so important for survival and also as like a human connection. And so when people are like, I still hate my body, I just try and love it. I can't. It's like, well, yeah, because you're being shown that this like white, thin, able-bodied, whatever is accepted and included. And that equals safety and survival, right? And if you don't have that, you'll be excluded and probably die. Like that's what your nervous system is telling you. So like, we're not just fighting with like this, like, oh, I think I'm too fat. It's like, I'm gonna die alone because I'm not included. And so what we can do is then find other community and find other ways of being like, I really think that that's one cool thing about the internet, right? It's like, we can find belonging and inclusion in ways that allows us to be and not need to assimilate to this bullshit standard and find safety there. And then that safety, allows us to kind of like take one by one the threats and assess if they're actually real and if they're not any longer we can then kind of move through them and kind of release them it takes a long time because our nervous system is like assessing it as a threat our whole life so it's a very slow titration process we don't need to go more into that that's like a whole other thing um but we can shift that. And it's so, you know, like somebody uh, I was talking to was like, okay, but I have like this fear of getting on a plane because of my fatness. And I was like, yeah, because in the past it's been incredibly threatening and very scary and dangerous. And so that's your nervous system being like, hey, hey, this was really dangerous. Do you remember last time? It was like really scary. We felt awful, like we're shaky and terrible. And then also you can assess it and be like, okay, I have the skills now to remind myself that I am okay, that I am safe with myself um but if something happens i can take care of it and then we can kind of slowly let some of that go so i kind of hear some of that like alchemy and transmutation and your experience that's allowed you to then show up and feel safe in this body which is like what i wish for everyone does that make any sense is I mean, it gibberish no okay. none of it's gibberish you're so like one of my favorite things is to talk to people who are really smart about what they know about like i even if i didn't understand it which i totally am understanding it like i just love it like the energy of someone who's just smart talking about what they're smart about um if we're talking about sexual release it's one of my favorite things very sapiosexual mm. love brains and the way people think um but the something I wanted to talk about is belonging because it is a human need, but I've read that the, I wish I knew who I read it from, but I read that somebody, um, I love how ethical you are about quoting your sources, by the way. And it's like the antithetical work of that naturalist guy who like, you know, stole stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I'm learning. It's a growth edge for me. Um, the other part of somatics for me, like when we get down to it is relationship, which is like a much bigger thing that I think will heal a lot of the world's wounds and it's a way of being in relationship and I didn't know you know when I was doing like fat activism like you really do think that you like come up with shit on your own you don't really pay attention to where it comes from you're like wow I'm a genius and then it's like no you pick this up from someone else please like honor that right that relationship and make it consensual and offer things back so yeah lineage is something that I'm trying to integrate more but it's new to me fairly recently um Jess you are a genius 
Um, because it's the way you synthesize the information that's coming through you that is what makes it genius, you know? Mm. Like, so it's like, yes, others contribute and yes, you are a genius and yes, they are a genius, right? Like, I think anyone who's willing to um, learn stuff and share is vulnerable, right? And um, choosing to be vulnerable, right? Be willing to publish or connect to people or say, hey, this is what I think, right? Like that is work right like that's something that not very many people are brave enough to do so um anyway you are a genius and yes growth edge and yes like we're synthesizing um but as a virgo rising with your virgo moon like i just like i'm obsessed with doing the right thing you know what i mean and so like once i know better i do better and i love that like you're like okay i'm doing better i'm learning how to like do this um and it does kind of transmute some stuff right like you know you see the way people screw up and then you can choose to do better right um I'm okay. trying to screw up more in public and then do better that's a huge growth edge for me as well so yeah I can I that's tell what you I'm working on okay we're having like five conversations at once and this is my my favorite thing to do so um <laughs> I just want to comment on that which is like screwing up in public is horrifying but yeah. you're gonna be okay as someone who's screwed up in public many times um okay. And what I'm really learning that's helping me a lot with that and enable because like, first and foremost, everything I publish feels cringe. As soon as I publish it, if I do a solo podcast episode, I'm immediately like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have said that, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, but I release it. I'm like, it's going to feel cringe and that's okay because that's the vulnerability edge of like creating. Um, and so allowing that. Right. But then like the reason why it feels like, ah, maybe a shame thing is because of conditioning, right? Like we're conditioned to not mm -hmm. be vulnerable. We're conditioned to not fail, but success looks like failure 80% of the time. And like, the more I recognize like whose opinion really matters in my life. And that circle gets smaller and smaller, the more mature I get, the wiser I get, the more discerning I get with people. Um, like I don't need like, right. Like I walk around in the world and I don't need a random man's opinion about my body. Um, I'm living in a world where like, I have like a mentor, a coach, a therapist, um, a close circle of people who can disagree with me and I want them to, and I want them mm -hmm. to be honest with me always and work on being a safer and safer space for people to be honest with me. Um, and I'm also committed to always growing and getting better. Like I know I'm better now at 43 than I was when I was 39 by a long shot. So like, mm -hmm we can just keep growing. Right. And I want to model that because I want everyone else to keep growing because I want the world to get better. I want more and more people to trust the unfoldment of who they are. Um, and to wrap back into another conversation we're having, belonging is a human need. And we only need one or two spaces in our lives where we truly feel like we belong to bring that belonging energy everywhere we go. So if you can cultivate one or two communities and like, that's the beautiful thing about the internet, the age of Aquarius is all about our electronic internet connections and basically finding our people, finding beloved community that really speaks to us where we have intersections, but where you can show up and belong exactly as you are. Um, I really only, I'm only, I only fuck with places where like come as you are, you know, like, but maybe mm. not stay as you are. Cause we grow together. Cause I need to be mm. in community with people who are actively growing because the truth is I've grown out of every relationship I'm not in anymore, uh, be that friendship or um, romantic relationship is, or community is because I grew and they didn't, you know, or like I was growing a lot faster or different in a different direction. Right. And that's all okay. Right. Like, I think we are all given the right connections 
um, to take us to the next level. Um, but a quote from Tony Jones, my favorite affirmation music, musician, is um, if they feel safe to be around, then spend more time with those people. Uh, mm. Like really trust your body and trust your discernment because um, that's something when I have kids, I'm really excited to teach them emotional regulation and discernment because like I know they have ancient wisdom in their bodies that's always tapped in that's talking to them and I want them to trust that you know what I mean and like I think again civilization 10,000 years of control like um we're taught by our parents and our caregivers how to be safe in this society which then is a hard wiring of our brains overriding our body's wisdom and the whole somatic experiencing situation is just learning how to get back into the body and to have those tools does that sound yeah right? yeah there's so much that you, there's so much in what you said but yes yeah yeah and uh leah garza i love how leah talks about resonance um in addition to intuition and i feel like resonance is kind of this energetic uh exchange where it's like my energy recognizes your energy and um kind of just removing judgment too from like this you know what fucking five years ago I would have rolled my eyes at who I am today I would just be like what even are you like <sighs> becoming everything that uh <laughs> I hate I was scared of I was fearful of um but really um letting people I do like to use the word awakening because it just feels, and we, we go through awakenings like a million times, right? There's not just like one. Um, letting people go through their awakenings as they will and kind of like releasing this control of needing um, to force. Again, this is coming from like just a different way of being, a softer way of being that feels important to me. Maybe it's not for everyone. Uh, but yeah, and, and then also trusting ourselves to like find those that we resonate with, which does feel like safety, um, and following the yeses, that, just following the yeses and honoring the no's. And I love where it's taking me. I don't know where it's taking me next. Like, I can't wait to find out just finding, finding the yeses though. Yeah. My name is yes. Um, what does a full body yes feel like to you? Hmm. This is my favorite question to ask other people. Really? I, yes, I love it. It is my number one favorite thing. I always ask people to think of something that they know to be true. It could be anything. It could be like, the sun will rise tomorrow or my dog loves me or I have a body. Like, I don't know. It could be like literally anything. Water is delicious like whatever and then to bring up that knowing like that thing that you know and then where does that knowing live in your body what does it look like what does it feel like what's there and when somebody asked me this question in one of the trainings I was in I was like oh my god I love this and so then I really had to like look internally and what came through was do you know in the beginning of fantasia have you seen fantasia yeah okay so they're in the beginning they're like hippos uh yes i've seen i literally use those like magical brooms when i'm in meditation and i have a thought come up it's it's the fantasia broom that sweeps it away oh i 
love that. I, I love that. Princess life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. In the very beginning, they're kind of tuning the orchestra and they have these like sound waves. And um, so it feels like that. So I have this chord that goes kind of from like the bottom of my throat all the way to like my pelvis root. And it glows. It's like this yellowy glow. And there's something about like vibration of sound kind of feeling of like when it vibrates and it connects, that's my yes. So I'm constantly like looking to the chord um, and following that as more of a compass and trying to give it more weight than external. Th that's like my biggest thing in this life is like releasing external quote unquote truth and finding my own. So that's, I follow the chord. And I love to ask people that and I hear, you know, tons of different answers. It looks different for everybody, um, but it's really cool. So that's my favorite experiment. What is yours? Do you have, can you access that? It's really kind of a heart space thing. Um, first of all, I have to give myself a pause. Um, learning how to pause. I think that was one of the biggest things I ever did and I'm still learning it is like not to react but to respond. Mm -hmm. That was something mm -hmm. I learned in Al-Anon recovery. It was like, it's not the reaction, it's the response. And like, even my sponsor giving me permission, like take 24 hours before you answer something and maybe even 48, if it feels really like heightened, like if you're, yeah. I can feel that fight or flight come up when I'm afraid, but like some fear is good. Some fear is like that comfort zone that you're busting through. We talk about this at Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics is like, um, the rule number two is we cheer for awkward because when you're awkward, you're out of your comfort zone, you're doing something new and that's where life begins, but it feels weird and hard and scary. And we are trained by our school system and by having jobs where if we fail, we lose, right? Like, and it's bad and it's final, but actually life is about awkwardly figuring stuff out. Like you had it in you to figure out how to walk by falling a lot. Um, and that still lives in you somewhere, right? So when you practice it, right? So it's just about me like recognizing, okay, let me take a breath. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like my knowing. And I think like part of my work as becoming um, like, not becoming, but like unbecoming all the things I wasn't to like recognize my, my psychic senses and allow that mm -hmm. and allow the knowing is literally just trusting my intuition, trusting, radically trusting what's coming through. Right. So like, yeah. if it's a yes, I can usually like feel the the yes the resonance the knowing it's like it, it just comes in um and in many ways now that I've learned how to kind of talk to my intuition um it's like I I hear the yes you know and like and I can also pause and use my body as a pendulum um so I just like breathe and ground myself and when I say ground myself what I do is I plant roots into the earth I bring up light and I just clear my energy field with the light that comes from this the core energy of the earth um and so I ground myself and then I just pause and I ask a yes or no question. Um, yes would be uh, forward and back and then side to side is no. Um, and I'll just, mm. define, I define that for my body and now my body knows. And I can, I feel my body move when I'm asking for that yes or no, right? So like, and mm. I don't even, I, at this point, like I don't always have to do the whole ritual. Like I'll just know it's yes or no. Um, yeah. But then also there's sometimes a heart space resonance, you know, like a tingling, mm. um, and then when I'm working with like a psychic practitioner or um, 
in like generally when I'm working with a psychic practitioner or like in general, like um, having a good conversation with the besties, right? I'll get tingles if something is something I'm really supposed to resonate with or connect with, right? Like there's something in that. Um, so it's really interesting, like how I'm like connecting to all these different ways that it's both my intuition and my body, but essentially our bodies are like these saltwater meat sacks that are all energy and our brains are so sparky and full of energy. And that's the life force that comes, like if you want to call it God, or the goddess or the universe or source energy or like literally just you're a meat sack with electricity that resonates when you need to move forward like that's kind of how I sense it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so I have I'm on a kick right now of like this metaphor that is feels really interesting to me and I really want to share it with you if that's okay <clears throat> bring it um, up I'm a right. hippo let's talk about video games uh, I want to honor that I kind of picked this up from Jessa Reed, who uh, talk about a great example of somebody who's like, I used to think this and turns out that wasn't right. So I shifted and now it's this. And I just love that, like very public, like honoring. So anyways, she talks a lot about awakening and consciousness uh, in a video game analogy. And that's cool. Love that. I like to use the video game analogy for kind of like this somatic experience of being in a human body, which is like essentially the same thing, but I want to talk about it a little bit differently. So there's two kinds of video games. I know very little about both of these, like Jessa, but let's use them. So we have the first person shooter video game, right? Which is like, you're just looking out of like the, whatever you're playing, their eyes. And it's, it's just like literally tunnel vision of what's in front of you. We're reacting to only what's in front of us. And it is definitely reaction. It's just like really fast. We're not thinking, we're not checking in, we must. And it's just the way it needs to go. That's cool. So we have first person shooter. And then we have like this RPG thing where we're more above. Um, there's this ability to observe. And, you know, as you progress, I feel in, in kind of developing connection, understanding, blah, 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 whatever that is for you. As we uh, are in RPG mode, not only are we able to observe, but then we're also able to kind of create our own reality in some certain ways. We're able to choose adventures and like move around blocks that we can see coming up and all of that good stuff. So the reason that I bring this up is because um, as we're talking about like checking in with resonance, I don't personally believe, and I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I don't believe that we can really check in with that resonance when we're in first-person shooter mode. And first-person shooter mode is survival mode. It is fight, flight, freeze. We are, <laughs> and within that, there's this fascinating like brain thing that happens where our frontal lobe shuts off to protect it from trauma. We go back into our main brain, which is just an average sorting machine of old ways of being and we literally don't have access to our full self in that way and it's designed to protect us and keep us alive so like we can honor that but when we're in first person shooter it's not a time to judge ourselves we're just like acknowledging ah i'm in first person shooter mode and then with that kind of acknowledgement we can sometimes then shift out of that a little bit easier or or just let our system uh, de-escalate, right? So with every escalation, there is a balance and de-escalate. So when we de-escalate and come out of that and kind of like 
normalize wherever we like to be, then we can kind of access the RPG mode. And there's so much cool power and like, you know, there's people who believe that this really is a simulation completely. And like, I'm willing to entertain anything because like anything's possible. Um, but I like it as a metaphor as well. And when we're in RPG, I feel like that's where we can contact and attune with whatever cosmic force or energy or source or God or whatever. And also the thing that's really helpful for me in this metaphor is uh, looking at in that RPG above mode, watching ourselves as this 3D avatar in this video game. And it gives us that separation, which is like very much like integrated in psychology of like the ego, right? The shadow, the ego. And thinking about like, I love this concept of like watching myself from above and being like, oh my God, what a fascinating like avatar that I'm inhabiting. Like, <laughs> and also like the ego, I love thinking of it this way. It's like not something to kill off, right? Even though we really want to, uh, but it's just the character that the avatar is playing and we don't need to kill it. We also don't need to put too much like value to it and just be like, oh, it's just a character we're playing. And so I'm like, when I'm able to, I love watching it from up there because I'm like, oh, wow, this like just characters like got a lot of energy and like obsessed with knowledge and likes to cry and like uh, just like kind of acknowledging all of these things very neutrally, which I feel like when we do that, it separates us from our worth and our more than humanness. And then that acknowledgement is like, oh, I'm more than this character and this avatar. I am, you know, whatever, God, I am universe, I am source, I'm a piece. For me, it's like, I'm a piece of this like universal consciousness that we're all connected to. That's who I am. And that perspective, talk about belonging, right? Connecting to that belonging is so helpful as well. And then also, you know, there's belonging of like uh, being in relationship with all of these earth-based sentient beings as well. And knowing that, you know, nature is not something outside of us. We're part of that and we already belong here. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but I love that metaphor of like kind of acknowledging how our human body works and then giving kind of a container for how we might experience more than humanness looking down in RPG mode. I love that so much. And what it's bringing up for me is the concept of a morning routine um, and how when I take the time to really root into my source, to root into my relationship with God, for me, like, I think I like to design a good morning routine around my core values. And so figuring out what my core values are, mine are like a list of seven. Um, and knowing what order they're in, that helps me to like, be like, okay, my relationship with God is my top value. So that's part of my morning routine and like self-love and self-care is my second value. Cause I think mm -hmm. the relationship with God creates my container, self-love and self-care fills the container. And then my third is my friends and family. And that is the overflow. That's how I serve my friends and family. Right. And then I move into impact because I didn't come here to play small. I came here to change this world for the better. Cause I showed up. Right. And then you know, fifth is fun. And I think in many ways, like fun is a core value for me, but I also put it into self-care and self-love because it's an attitude and it's how if I can experience the world in a fun way, that is self-care. So like, mm. uh, right. And so like, really like 
thinking through like how am I going to show up in this day so that I can stay in the like I forget what you call that because I'm not video game identified but like that that uh, top view right like yeah the RPG yeah RPG RPG it's like remembering my worth right and remembering where I am in the scheme of things versus being in like when you when you wake up with an alarm and like you hop out of bed because you got to go be a lawyer you know what I mean like that is RPG like that is full like fight or flight freeze I always say appease too because that's how I live was appease mode to keep myself safe um yeah and like you know, like in that first person shooter mode, right? Like, so it's like that morning routine really makes it for me um, in terms of like how I can live in the day. And I'm just curious if you'll share with us, Jess Baker, what's your morning routine? Like, what are the things that, that help you stay in your RPG mode? First, I want to acknowledge that there is, again, my perspective only, uh, but I think from what I know and have experienced that living in RPG mode, living in like ascension mode is not a thing in this human 3D world life as much as we want it because it feels great. Um, I think there is an oscillation that must happen by virtue of living in this mammalian body. And I think when we try and live in RPG mode always or ascension mode, whatever that is, that's where bypassing happens. And so for me, it kind of feels like I need to reconnect with that source that I need to connect with that consciousness and the energy and the ancestors and the guides. And I need to do that. And then I need to, I'm gonna come back to single shooter survival mode because that's the world we live in. And it's in between those that we can kind of integrate and heal trauma. It's like both, right? We need both. And yeah, so just kind of like, don't worry if you're like in single shooter mode, this is just part of this life. This is part of the technology of the bodies we live in. Um, For me to connect to the cosmic, consciousness and other energy cards are very helpful for me um it's a way to kind of get out of my singular vision and pull my own wisdom outside of me and anchor it somewhere I love that um plants forming relationships with everything that I can, honestly, and, and like really expanding the idea of what I can be in relationship with. Um, I really started with earth-based magic, which I still love because I, I do think I need these physical anchors at this point in time in my life. So, um, I love to work with herbs. I love to work with plant magic, candle magic, all of that type of stuff, because that gives me kind of an anchor, a reminder and a focus and attention. As far as like morning things, definitely cards, there's prayers, there's um, an accessing of light, an accessing of the heart space. This is especially important when I work with folks, I need to kind of clear out, right? Um, Whatever's there so that I could be conduit the best I can within this physical body. Um, Incense is a huge thing. So just kind of like the senses, bringing that here and 
uh, breath work when I really need it. Breath work is, I can't wait to make a video about this for my Patreon because it's so useful because it activates, I think a lot of the intelligence through the oxygenation, through the vagus nerve. And when I am done with it, I feel tingly and almost as if, well, this is true, but like my skin is porous, right? And it's like part of this world, it's not solid. I can feel that after breath work. And that feels like it connects me to something bigger than myself. So those are the things I kind of do. Do you still take a long bath in the morning? Not anymore, but water is a big part of my life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was a time where Jess Baker's morning routine was like an hour long bath. Um, yeah. I that. With Netflix, I would sometimes do interviews in the bath. It was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a good bath. I got to be in that bathtub once. Um, I loved that bathtub. I haven't been to your new house, but your old house with the clawfoot bathtub and the plants. Um, yeah. It was great. So good. Um, okay. So Jess Baker, let's rewind can you talk about how, like, when did you start realizing, hey, maybe I don't want to be a Mormon anymore? And what was it like for you, like, growing up Mormon and, like, then coming out of that? Yeah. I'm at a point in my life where I have accepted that it was a necessary lesson to learn. Whether I chose this life before I came, I I like, I, I like that. I'm not sure, but I like that. So I think there was a reason for it. If I had to, you know, we don't have to make meaning, but if I had to guess, it's probably because in this very extreme polar opposite world, I think it was like really interesting to live in that hyper conservative religious way of being and experience that, um, first and then find my way after. Uh, I learned a lot of interesting things. I learned how to play the game, um, how to find belonging through productivity. I learned what conditional belonging was and how I don't want that anymore. And uh, Mormonism gave me my first awakening. I'm, I'm starting to realize this. Uh, so I was like A plus Mormon my whole life. I was so good. Uh, I learned what the game was. I learned how to play it. I went to BYU Idaho and that was where I had my first glitch in this matrix where it was so interesting. It was just this random thought. It, it came up because my best friend was gay and uh, in that scenario, if that was known, he would be kicked out, uh, both from career and school and also the church. And I was watching the suffering and I was like, this is fucked up, this is fucked up. And I had this, you know, so in Mormonism, there's a prophet and then there's 12 disciples and it's very much just hierarchical. And I had this single thought that was like, what if they're not right? And I had never questioned authority before. <laughs> and then like nothing was the same after that. It was just like, I couldn't un, I couldn't rewind that back. And so that was the first glitch. I think another significant glitch was the diet culture piece of uh, 
I had no idea that I could like myself and that my body could be okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you grow up with like no media representation too because you and I grew up in a time where like fat people on tv weren't really a thing and queer people on tv weren't really a thing you know yeah. like you literally don't think you can exist and that everything that you're thinking in your brain is wrong and that your body yeah. is something you have to fight with and apologize for yeah 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 and I don't think I knew it at the, I know that I didn't know at the time but I was following the resonance because I remember when I had this feeling of like maybe I don't have to hate my body. It was like, yes, follow that, right? That led me into <clears throat> uh, starting to see the constructs and oppression and systems of domination and how fucked all of that was. And it's just kind of, <clears throat> I feel like I've fallen asleep and woken up at least, at least a hundred times <laughs> in the last, like 20 years so um and I expected to keep going I I don't know where I'll end up but yeah I don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of I think Mormonism played a very important role of what um of being very invested in something to the max like there was no question of like maybe I didn't do enough to reap the benefits and then being like this is not this is not it for me um, I'm obsessed with Mormonism. Uh, I don't know why, like it just so many of my good friends are like former Mormons. And so like, there's something to it. And so I'm like trying to figure out like, what is it that Mormonism is that I'm so fascinated with? There's something about like the way they teach you about capacity. I don't think it's like, um, healthy, but I do think it's superhuman in some ways. Like, cause I think a lot of, um, our culture teaches us to kind of like, um, I don't know, get get lazy about like our feelings and like right like if we don't if we're there's like this hyper productivity where you're not feeling your feelings and then there's like distraction where you're not feeling your feelings and I feel like Mormonism like heads you right over to hyper productivity do you think there's anything about like capacity that you learned growing up that helps you now Probably more than I realize. I think the only thing I'm aware of is what happens when you override to, because Mormonism for me, I think different people have different experiences within this. It, it's kind of like how much of your life is it? I was involved in it to the point where it had mind control and cult effects. It was very intense. Um, so just context for that, that's not everyone's experience, but I think I learned to be accepted. I had to override everything that came up for me internally and that I could do it. And that was something really hard to grapple with in the last like maybe seven years. I worked with Bridget Sweeten, bless her, who like really helped me like be like, hey, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's your actual capacity and kind of figuring out what that means. And that's been something I'm still exploring. Um, so, yeah. Shout uh, out to Bridget, Aquarius. Shout out to Bridget. We love her. Oh, so amazing. Yeah, very grateful for that. Yeah, it feels a little vague, but I think. Just yeah, because it's, it's cool to doesn't mean I have to that's a really yeah. I mean that was yeah. something I had to learn too it's like yeah it's because you can and like and, and I can and I and can 
I think something that's come up for me too is discerning the difference between a God idea and a good idea. Like I'm full of good ideas of a Mercury and Sagittarius. My brain is very sparky. Um, and so I get lots of ideas, but just because I have an idea doesn't mean I need to like be the quarterback and run that to the end zone, right? Like, um, mm. and like really being present for things that like are the God ideas. Like I really think in many ways, like Fat Kid Dance Party is my big thing. Like that's what I'm here to do in the world. And so like, I am that quarterback. I'm running that to the end zone of my life. Like that's the thing, like I think, that synthesizes so much of all the other things I do. And I've always been kind of an Ursula with a lot of tentacles doing things mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. lots of media projects, you know, but mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. it's all just the exchange of ideas and the excitement around sharing and um, teaching people how to have tools. But I have to say, there's nothing that's been greater for me than like trusting and moving forward through a lot of fear and a lot of cringe, um, like this aerobics project and like, again like you said this earlier like I can't but my, me four years ago would have been like oh my god about me now but like <laughs> that's I, 10 years ago if you told me I would have one day moved to LA and become an aerobics instructor and then moved down the street from my mother like all of this would have been like what <laughs> who how like you know what I mean but yet and yet that's the life that's unfolded so being present for that yes and like, that's the thing I really want to take out of your off ramp from Mormonism is like, you followed your full body. Yes. You followed your resonance, even without even consciously understanding that. And so for anybody out there, who's like questioning what they're in or how they're being and how they're living, like, just keep following the yes. Cause it's going to lead you to what are your God ideas. And like, what are the things that are wanting to come through you uniquely as you like there, you have so much seed and potential. And then there's so yeah. much opportunity that we bypass when we're deep in brainwashing. And I think, I think fat stigma and our culture as a whole is a form of brainwashing, you know, like they want you to be controlled. Like someone profits off your self-loving and, yeah. and I really, I wanted to also come back to what you had said a long time ago in this conversation about like, um, the uh, being in the militant baker and like fighting the like fat phobia and this shouldn't exist and like raging against systemic oppression. Um, and I think like, I've, I've noticed this, not just with you, not just with me, but with a lot of people who have fought, fought oppression, like moving into understanding that actually it's an internal process. It's not, you don't fight the systems, you empower the people because as people become ungovernable, that's where the revolution is happening. So it's really like a person to person thing. Mm. Where, like, <sighs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, is it okay with you if I hold that for yes in a second and share two things that were coming up that feel very important about the Mormonism thing Thousands. potentially helpful for others mm -hmm. uh <clears throat> just the littlest one is this fascination that is very recent for me of talking to other people who've left Mormonism who are now very esoteric uh and spiritual in different ways and they brought to my attention uh the connection I've never put this together until recently because I kind of was just distancing myself. Uh, so in Mormonism, you're encouraged to like connect, like the thing you connect with a lot with is like the Holy Ghost. That's what it is. And you look for synchronicities and you look for this guidance. And I never considered that that was spiritual training that now like can actually uh, be expanded upon in where I'm at now. So that was really interesting. Um, so I think I took that as well. And then uh, to combine somatics and spirituality in the biggest way that feels 
mind-blowing for me. So I disappeared from the internet for a couple of years and needed to put all of the energy inside with this shit. I needed to figure some shit out and I needed to ground. <clears throat> and I really needed to remove myself from things that were triggering my single, I needed to remove myself from single shooter mode every day. And so I could live in RPG mode. That's what it was. Something fascinating happened um, where I knew there was more. I knew that there was a spirit, that there were guides of some, even if it was just energy, I knew there was something more. So I started out with the earth-based based magic and like was like fumbling around, just trying lots of shit, trying to be open-minded. And the further I progressed, I was like, fuck, I just want a connection to the thing greater than me whatever that is like I don't care if it's ancestors or spirit guides or God like I don't care I want to hear the bigger information through me and it felt like banging my head against for years and it was just like the thing I wanted the most and it wasn't happening and I didn't know why and I was fucking doing rituals and candles and prayers and everything I could think of and it came to me through somatics which is so wild and it helped me realize something that this might be helpful for those who are maybe in the, a similar place after being in organized religion and then leaving because of personal decisions so I was working with this incredible practitioner who was very soft and gentle and for whatever reason, I was in this place where it was just like, she was giving me permission. I was giving myself permission. And it was almost this like transcendental experience. It was just so cool. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. This is amazing. And without expecting this, she, we like kind of relaxed and felt supported. And it was because of the perfect confluence of what was happening for the first time ever, I could feel a group and it, it, it was felt like individuals, but it was mostly the energy of them behind me. And they're like 10 feet behind me. And I was like, oh my fucking God, they fucking came. It was like mind blowing. I was like, I've been waiting for this forever. And, it, and I was like, weird, they're 10 feet away. Okay, that's interesting. And then she, we were, she was helping me kind of like settle and find safety. And then they came forward to like six feet away. And it was just so clear to me through this body resonance, through this understanding that maybe didn't even really have words. They were waiting for me to be ready. And it was a consensual choice for me to meet them. They weren't going to come and like whisper in my ear, or like force shit on me. It was like, they were kind of waiting. And then I was, you know, trying to feel why this shift happened and why it changed. And I realized that while I was simultaneously desperately wanting this connection with a bigger power, I also was putting up an enormous wall of protection because I felt so fucked over by the Mormon God. And that, that brings somatics back to one of its core things, which is relationship, right? 
and safety within relationships. And I didn't feel safe in a relationship with a God figure of any kind. And I didn't even know that. And so it was like the wall because I was in this safe place and could experience the walking down. And I was like, it like melted. And I was like, oh my God. And then I just have like full body goosebumps. And that was when things showed up. And so, and I, you know, I really do think that like, there's no pushing that kind of work. It has to happen in its own organic time. But it was so interesting to realize that I had built this wall of protection for a very good reason. Like I, there was a lot of pain in leaving that um, organization. I feel emotional actually within that, even though it was so long ago. And, but the experience of the wall coming down, which then opened me up, it kind of put me more in RPG mode where I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And they didn't abandon me. That's another human. That's another aspect of this avatar is like a fear of abandonment. And they were just there. And I was like, are you going to leave me? And they were like, eh. it was just like this really beautiful thing. And so that shifted everything. That is kind of what opened up the channel. And it, what, it all came down to, not to simplify something complicated, but it all came down to safety, protection, and belonging and relationship. So that was like, oh, so cool. And I have never gotten to share that with anyone. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's really, um, I love being your friend and I am just so grateful. Like I remember the moment um, I got my first email from you. Uh, I, it was like, I was in Brooklyn and I just remember being, it's so interesting how like in my memory, I can see things that were like significant moments in my life. And like, I, I remember hold, cuddling my phone and like getting the email in where I was in my Brooklyn apartment. And like, I, seeing you evolve and experience your involvement over time um, has just been extraordinary. And it's been so um, cool to watch you in the recent years, like after your couple years of um, like, I, I like to think of it like sometimes you need to go fallow, like you're a seed, like we're always in cycles, right? But like being like, yeah. Yeah. or like in a time where you're a seed and you're just growing roots underground. So it's not visible to other people. And like, mm -hmm. I love that you took the time and space you needed to do what was right for you rather than staying in like fear mode. Like, oh, I need to keep nurturing this giant online community that I gathered um, during my riots, not diets time, right? Like, yeah. and um like, not that we're not still there, but you know what I mean? Like, it's part of yeah. the fat liberation process. I think it's like the riots, not diets. And like, um, and yeah, then, that perfectly ties into your other question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicely uh, done. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but like seeing you like come now into an intimacy with a spiritual connection, your spiritual understanding. And like, it's so totally true. Our guides have so much energy. I think that's also part of how we're socialized is to like, not want to take too much. Right. But part of being human is being interdependent and interdependence. I learned this from Adrienne Marie Brown, her book, Emergent mm -hmm. Strategy. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Um, but interdependence requires two things. It requires generosity without strings. So you're giving like the trees give the trees don't that the trees breathe our waste product and release our, our conscious breath. Like every breath you get, you can't breathe all your breaths right now. That's true. Abundance is remembering it's always flowing to you. Right. And the trees give to us in this generous way. I like to think of it like an, uh, an infinity symbol they're giving in one direction. It's not like they're saying this breath is only for Bevan. You don't deserve breath. 
It's just for them, right? That's not how it works. It's for everybody, right? Like you don't have yeah. to deserve your breath. The trees are just giving so freely and so generously. Um, but then, and so interdependence requires that generous gift of the, the gift you're giving in this world, right? Like whatever it is you're here to give. For me, I would say it's fat kid dance party and like the essence of being Bevan, right? Um, and it's really just you being you and you continuing to be more you. Um, and then it's uh, the other part of interdependence is vulnerability. It's what are your needs, right? Like you can't get through this world without breathing. So you do need that breath from the trees. So you have to engage. Like we're all one living system by design, just as Leah Garza teaches. And um, I just like to remember our guides are giving and generous in that same way. They are so much energy that they have available for you. It's as almost as though they're sitting in an unemployment line when we're not using them. And so like remembering that that connection exists, even if you have to do a lot of healing work around a relationship with like the man in the sky, fear-based God that was meant to, to teach you how to be a proper little member of society, right? Like that's fear. And it's such a shame how religious trauma affects people and their ability to connect to a source greater than themselves. And I love that you have done this healing work and you're connecting into that because I think that relationship with your guys is just going to keep amplifying more and more of what Jess Baker can possibly be in this world. And I'm really excited for your continued unfolding and like what is happening for you in this world. Um, Jess Baker, I have some, a couple more follow-up questions. Um, you have also released information about new pronouns or newer than before. And so I'm curious if you'll talk about like the unfoldment of like, uh, she, they pronouns in your life, um, and anything related to that. I'm doing this really annoying thing, which I'm not sure if it's annoying for you, but it's annoying for me where I am like one step behind and then things are coming up. I just want to answer your question about the fight, the, the fighting diet culture and then in the softness. Oh yeah. And just name it very shortly, which is I think, <clears throat> so fight is a survival response and I feel like it's really necessary. And I think that a lot of people need to express that and complete it. Mm. It feels important. I've watched lots of people do it. So it feels important. And there felt like some completion. And also, um, I would say the two main teachers that have really changed everything for me is uh, Sonia Renee Taylor, the longest for at least 10 years. I, I didn't understand the depth that was there in the beginning. I'm starting to understand a little bit of it. Um, and Adrienne Brown, those two visionaries um, modeled the softness uh, that can instigate more change and it just for whatever reason clicked and I was like ah this is it and uh it was a following yes so that's kind of how that shifted <clears throat> uh, as far as the pronouns I don't have a lot of feelings about them actually it just felt like the right thing and then I was like cool I don't feel like oh there's this amazing song and I wish I could remember the TikTok meme um but they talk about their pronouns and like uh, just identifying as um, a bunch of moss in a fanny pack. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> and so it feels very uncontainable. And also, you know, in this world, we like to have like some sort of organization. So it's just like, 
call me whatever. I don't really care because I'm me regardless, but I think they encapsulates more of the um, expansiveness with our limited vocabulary. So that's all there is there. I love that. Uh, something that became very clear for me um, is, uh, and it was actually at the beginning of the pandemic when things really shifted to a lot of Zoom culture, even though I did love Zoom pre-pandemic, I love it even more now, um, was recognizing actually, like, I don't care what pronouns people use for me. Like, I truly do not care. You cannot get my pronouns wrong is my pronoun. And mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is because I want to create a, a, a sense of safety and connection with everyone I'm connecting to. So if I'm on a Zoom with you, can't get my pronouns wrong, right? Like I'm in life, you can't get my pronouns wrong. And what matters to me most is that people understand that I do not use a last name or a middle name. It's just Bevan. And that mm -hmm. to me was like such a resonant thing. Like I was thinking about it for years before I did it. And like in 2018, I made that decision. I was like, I thought I was going to get married in 2019. So I was like planning to change my government last name. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll synthesize. And like, because I had a stage last name because I was a lawyer before and I didn't want to be Googleable. Um, and I realized I was like, I don't want a last name. I want to just own the fact that I'm iconic enough to just have a five letter name, like Prince, you know, or Adele, <laughs> you know, um, Cher, Brittany, all the people who don't need a last, I will love Brittany, isn't mononymous, but you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I really think I come like from such a queer lineage. Um, and I feel really strongly that I have had, a like some strong guides that are also queer. Um, and like Sylvester was mononymous in this, in the late seventies when I was just being, you know, fertilized and born. Right. So like, I love it. I come from a lot of people who have no last name. So that matters so much more to me than pronouns. And I was mm -hmm. like, eh, I don't need pronouns. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you, you use whatever, I don't care. Um, yeah. So I, I love that it. for you. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love that you're a, a moss in a, in a fanny pack. Yeah. yeah. And for people who the pronouns are really, really important. Like I love that for them too. And yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. It's like, I really want to know what people's pronouns are as much as I also want to know, like what strongly identified pop star is going to like brighten their day if they hear a song by them. You know what I mean? Like that, that it's mm. all these little, little pieces of knowledge you get about the people you love that like help to create like their handwriting too. Like, it's just like, you're going to love that uniqueness about that person and all the things that make them who they are. Um, Jess Baker, my final question to you, uh, and in fact, long form question is tell us about your Patreon page. Okay. I'm so proud of you. It's so good. Thank you. It is evolving. So, um, it is as a all project. Patreon should, it should evolve as you evolve yeah. as a creator. Yeah. 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 So it feels really good. Uh, it feels <clears throat> it's the it's the first iteration and I'm already working on the second which is very similar as I so I'm really in this process of synthesizing what I've learned in the last three years which I'm used to doing incrementally publicly so it's very weird to come back and be like guys I was on a fucking journey everything's changed and I don't have words for it yet but like it's important so um as far as the, the somatic stuff feels increasingly more important and it's always felt important. It also is something that is hidden behind a ton of exclusivity. It is so expensive. It's so expensive to train. Like 
Oh my God. And then it's also fucking expensive to work with practitioners. So it's very gate kept. And my question the whole time throughout this training is how do we disperse this knowledge and knowing to more people? And so Patreon was the one that felt like the correct next step. I don't know what will happen after that, but it feels right for now and for a while. So <clears throat> the way I introduced it and the way it's currently working is kind of creating a container for joy. The reason I'm choosing that is because that's what I identify with. I think I can't speak for Adrian Marie Brown, but in the way that Adrian talks about pleasure, right? Joy for me is kind of that version. And the more I learn about our, you know, this human body and systems and stuff, uh, I love that you talk about how important fun is. And to make this very simple, there's a lot of pain in this world. It gets a lot of our attention and that makes sense. It needs to be addressed. And what we have found, we, what research has found, <laughs> what I have personally discovered, no, what research has found is that when we increase our attunement to positive experiences in our body, joy, happiness, pleasure, fun, gratitude, whatever the fuck you want to call it, the really beautiful parts, the lovely parts. When we create more attunement intentionally to those things, it gives us more capacity to work through and find flow in transmuting and holding the painful parts. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so the really interesting thing is, I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, I like joy. I want to talk about joy. And then it's like, so also when you have more joy, you have access to more pain. But the cool thing is they work together and we kind of go in an infinity loop like this. Like we've experienced the hard pain and then we experience the happiness and flow and ease. And then this is how we kind of regulate. And uh, I think the next iteration will be something, I'm just going to like say it, uh, something called joy school. And it's, I think it's going to be for like cosmic beings learning how to human and uh, orienting to joy again, but also bringing in a lot of things we talked about that is all very much attached to um, being bigger than human, but also like living this 3D human life. And there's so much cool stuff there. And it, I, I really hope to like kind of share the knowledge I've picked up if it's helpful for people. One-on-one um, -on -one coaching is very limiting. And I want to be able to share what has worked for me as a map. Not that people need to take it, but they can if it's helpful. Uh, I think at the core, what I really desire is to help people find the resonance and the self-trust and the intuition and that individual internal authority of their own that feels really important. And I agree with Jessa Reed. I think that we're moving into less of a capital T truth consciousness and more in an individual, like lower T truth. And we find the people we resonate with. And um, I love that for us. Like, I love that for us. And I, I want to help people move anything that's stuck so that we can access that more and then follow our yeses and bliss. Wow. 
I love it. I'm really glad and grateful you started uh, a Patreon container for your ever evolving work. And I'm really glad and grateful that like you get to create for the people who really want to show up for you because it can be really difficult as a creator to have to be noteworthy on the internet because there's so much energy that gets siphoned off and away from the work that is focused on like defense mode, you know, and like, uh, to like, even just like, even just comment moderation, you know what I mean? Just all of it is so much. And so I'm really glad and grateful that you have this. Do you, are you taking new coaching clients now? I actually am. Uh, I actually am. I have two spots. I do have a lot of consults coming up, but if people are interested, um, they can email me. No, let's do it this way. Uh, you can go to justbaker.com and there's a like schedule a consult and I'm doing them in December, probably to start in January. So yeah, yeah, it's available right now. It's not often, maybe once or twice a year, but yeah. Oh, I love and you I love, so much. I love it. I love you. Oh, I'm, I'm just, so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you too. And I'm grateful to get to walk alongside you in this um, earth experience in 2022. <laughs> um, bonkers. bonkers. It's wild. <laughs> uh, I also do believe we chose this just to like piggyback on something you said about Mormonism and like realizing maybe I chose that as part of my earth experience. Cause like I had, um, I went, I had a group medium reading last weekend and my dad came through, um, with an apology for like, you know, kind of leaving me hanging. I don't know to put it mildly, uh, in this lifetime. And he's like, but we chose that. And like, and that was clear. And I, I, I kind of always knew, like, I, I must've, I, I think I chose a lot of my experience as a young traumatized person, you know, like, because I needed to heal from it because I needed to teach from it. And so mm -hmm. I'm just always grateful to put a purpose to the pain um, and to be able to teach from my experience and to go the way and show the way, because I want to help make this earth plane more joyful for other people too. So um, I'd love you. I think you really do that. I think you're such a great teacher and such a brilliant thinker, and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you for being here. Thanks. Stephen.